Hi, this is Andrew, and this is Keynote, the daily now.tv chat show with some of the world's leading thinkers and writers. Hello, everybody. It's April the 13th, 2022, from a rather blustery San Francisco. Um, a few weeks ago, I did a very entertaining show, at least it was entertaining from my point of view, with um, uh, the Harvard University uh, business writer, Barbara Kellerman. Uh, we had a conversation about whether most books about leadership are a scam. Uh, that was my word, not hers. And I think she was slightly ambivalent about that. But the more I think about it, the more I think leadership books on leadership are scams, mostly because you can't teach someone how to be a good leader. Uh, either they are or they're not. Um, and the same may be true of, of many other disciplines. Um, writing, for example, uh, perhaps even thinking. Most self-help books probably don't hope, but in our help, but in our age of self-help, we like to think that we're able to do things. One of the things that I think most of us think we can do if we're instructed correctly is make a speech, uh, although it also makes us very nervous. My guest today, Victoria Wellman, has a new book out, just came out yesterday, on speech writing and speech giving. It's called Before You Say Anything, The Untold Stories and Fail-Proof Strategies a very, of a Very Discreet speech writer. Victoria is a speech writer. She works uh, at a place called the Oratory Laboratory. I think she co-founded it, the Creative Agency for Public Speakers. And she's joining us from, surprise, surprise, Brooklyn, New York. Um, Victoria, welcome. Uh, let's begin with the same question I asked uh, Barbara Kellerman. Uh, are books about speech writing a waste of time or can you teach people to make good speeches um i mean i don't want to call anyone else's book a scam <laughs> what i will say is that i think there is we're used to um what on the shelves are books that will promise you some kind of formula um some kind of template rules or rubric for, through which that you can write a successful speech. Anyone who professes to have the, the to writing a speech for any kind of, of any event and, um, you know, any occasion, I think that's where the sort of, um, that's where I could argue that this is impossible. So my book doesn't my book my book doesn't say this is how you do it. My book is about this is how I do it. I've been doing it for a really long time, and so I've developed this sort of creative methodology that I do apply to all the speeches that I write. Um, but it it's more about a way to think speech writing and the sorts of questions you need to ask yourself as you sort of jump through these hoops of, of, of writing and preparing remarks. Because I think when you, if you, you know, if you dictate that there is some sort of like template, you have to ask yourself who wrote the template and who was it for? And when you have a speech, the speaker is unique. 
the audience is unique, the occasion is unique. There are so many variables um, that you couldn't possibly just sort of, you know, prescribe one way of doing it. So in that, I would say, I'm always a little bit skeptical of this is how you do anything, you know? And I, and I start the book by talking about- I think, yeah, this is your polite way, um, Victoria, of saying writing our scams but that's my word and my sentence not yours what about this relationship between writing and speech making when someone wanders into your office the light bulbs go off in terms of oh this person could or couldn't give a bad speech it always occurs to me that writers tend to be really bad givers of speeches or am i being unfair on writers or maybe speech givers um well I mean, certainly writing a speech is very different from, say, writing a, a novel um, or writing a movie. Um, and so, um, you know, you're, you're right in that just because, just because you're a writer, that does not mean that, A, you can write a great speech and, that, and certainly doesn't mean you can deliver a great speech. Because don't forget, obviously, you know, when you write a half finished when it's on the page, the other half of it is taking it off the page um, and connecting with the audience. And that is nothing to do with being a great writer at all. And, and actually, when I hire writers, I often sort of tend to sort of stray from or kind of avoid people who have um, a well of experience writing sort of long form feature, um, you know, feature pieces for, you know, means or, you know, who are novelists or, you know, fiction writers, because, because that kind of discipline and the, and the way that you express yourself on the page really has nothing to do with the way that you, ex that you need to express yourself in order to convey a message in the spoken word, you know, to, to a live audience. Um, so you, you're right to be a little bit skeptical, um, but then of course you know there are some writers who can cross those sort of disciplines, and and you know they're very good. So, as I said, uh, your new book is before you say anything: the untold, the untold stories and fail-proof fail strategies of a very discreet speechwriter. <laughs> I have to ask you, Victoria, mm. should and again I don't want to undermine your business model or your business but should speeches be written aren't the best speeches unwritten oh no no um not at all i mean um i'm interested that you i would be interested to know sort of why you think that and what kind of well, the reason i think that is twofold firstly i make my living as a speech writer mostly this is a a sideline, a fun thing to speak to interesting people like you. And I never write my speeches, ever. Um, and uh, as uh, someone on the speaking circuit, uh, I, my observation, maybe I'm biased, is that people who write their speeches are usually give very bad, boring ones. And secondly, the truly great speeches in history. Um, there's one that Max Weber, for example, gave, I think it was in 1919 in Berlin, uh, was uh, all the notes were on a piece of paper at uh, the back of an envelope. So my sense is the true, maybe, you know, the truly great speeches are only given once or twice a century, but the really great speeches aren't written. But maybe I'm being unfair. Uh, correct me. Yeah, I mean, I definitely disagree. Um, <laughs> I would say, um, you know, there are a few people out there who 
really have this sort of natural um, instinct and proclivity for like writing a, being able to conceive of, um, of a speech in a clear way with a great metaphor, you know, and they're able to sort of keep that entire thought in their head and, you know, write down a couple of notes. Um, but, the, you know, those people are few and far between and they usually are very experienced, like they get up and do it a lot. For, I would say 99% of people um, and among them, a, a lot of the people that you're thinking of who have written their speeches, they absolutely have. I mean, Boris Johnson, whatever you want to think of him politically, his whole thing about I'm completely unrehearsed and I don't, you know, whoopsie, you know, everything's just spur of the moment and spontaneous. I mean, that's just not true. He's, you know, he he knows exactly what yeah, he's no, doing. I, I, I wasn't saying that. I'm not saying that speeches are spontaneous. I'm saying they're unwritten. There's a difference. But that's... Well, well, I mean, well, well, I would ask you then when you say they're unwritten versus spontaneous, where, you know, what do you, where do you see that distinction? Because for me, I think, you know, the, the important thing about preparing a speech, and I think is that there, there is so much to consider um, ab about th that moment where you're going to be standing there addressing an audience. Um, if everything from the sort of, ge you know, the sort of geography, the physical setting, the cultural zeitgeist, who are those people in the room exactly? Like, what do they want? And is what you want to say more important than that what they want to hear? Um, uh, Victoria, one one of my lessons, maybe it's why I'm not a particularly successful speech giver, is you never tell the audience what they want to hear. Like I'm not asking you questions you want, and you're probably not giving me replies. We're not this is not a this is not a kumbaya process. This is not church. No, it's not church, but you but you need to you need to know what the audience you need to relate to the audience and you need you need them to be able to connect with you. So, just disregarding what they want and what what's going to resonate with them. Yeah, I, 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 I obviously you you need the context, but my point is often the the, the funnest speeches to give, I think, are telling an audience exactly what they don't want to hear. I mean, obviously, you don't want to tell them something they're not interested in. Sure. And there's, you know, you know, if you're talking about being, you know, sort of controversial and, and a bit, you know, risque and dangerous. You know, yes. Like, I, I mean, I'm all about like 100 percent. You don't want to you don't want to just deliver what they're expecting. And but expectation is different from, from what I'm saying, which is that you have to you have to certainly like meet them where they are and then take them with you. And if you just disregard where they are. Um, you know, you're not going to connect. And those people, you know, they will make judgments about you if they can't find some common ground. So it's not necessarily that the, it, it's not necessarily that the message, you, you know, your message has to sort of, you know, act less and, 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 you know, give them exactly what they want. It's absolutely not. I mean, you can, you know, you can push as many buttons and you should. And, and I will always say the first thing, you know, the first thing I do when I sit down to write a speech is think, okay, I've heard these ideas a million times because let's be honest, like a few people have very, very original ideas are just iterations of past ideas. With the speech, what you're thinking of is, I'm gonna 
how am I going to package this idea in a way that people haven't heard before? How am I going to make people sit up and pay attention? Um, so, you know, you, you really do need to every time be searching for originality. That's something that, you know, that hasn't been done before. Um, and certainly that would, you know, align with this idea that you're certainly not giving them something that they've heard before. You know, that's no one wants to hear mediocre and no one wants to hear something that they've heard once already. That's, you know, that's not engaging. The, the way to engage is always to, you know, leave people thinking, wow. I mean, and, and, and that, just, that might sound simplistic, but that is, that is the point, right? To make people, cha to change the way someone thinks about something in that moment, to give so them something. Speech, uh, coming back to this issue of you as a speech writer, a very discreet one, um, should the best speeches be read or should they be full of notes in which the speaker iterates and is more creative or are there no rules on that? No, I mean, listen, I, I, I don't like to say there are rules. For me, I mean, I, I think reading your speech is always the way to go. And I'll tell you always? what. Always? What? Always the way to go, always not the way to go. Always the way to go, yes. Because if you, the, 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 other, the only other option, right, you have two other options. One is that you get really familiar with your speech, right? And you then you like write down some bullets. And then, so those are your sort of talking points. and you feel like you can take the, you know, each thought that you know the transitions, that takes a lot of preparation. People who do TED Talks, where they walk around the stage and they seemingly have it all memorized, like they have been practicing that speech for months, sometimes up to a year. It is very, very hard to pull that off. And- Yeah, and I, I'm, I, uh, my own personal experience is the reverse. I've done TED speeches where, they always want you to do it on, on in, you know, to do exactly what you're saying, but I never do that. And you just go out and you give a speech and that's the end of it. You don't have to prepare that much. But that's just maybe, maybe I'm unusually ill-prepared or unusually spontaneous. But I always think that when it's, read, when it's read, it always sounds so packaged and boring. Well, if it, if it sounds packaged and boring, then the person hasn't worked hard enough to 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 connect with the audience right so, so if you're reading a if you're reading a speech that you and you can't look up and you can't engage with the audience while you're reading it then you've done the work right you you do need to prep and prepare so that you so, so that you can find those moments but if you're so busy thinking about what that next line is because you try to memorize your speech that that is that is so that it you're you're not present you're which means that you're not actually like authentic connecting with the audience in that moment i can spot it a mile away once like you know memorize the speech but they haven't they haven't succeeded and in terms of like not actually not actually like writing down and just walking onto stage and making it up to that i would say and i you know certainly certainly not going to criticize my but 
the you can, I want you to. Please. The preparation that, that you should be doing should be, you know, you think about a pot, you think about um, the way that we consume media, right? Like podcasts, um, sitcoms, everything that we consume is edited and crafted and manipulated and curated because storytelling is craft and speech making is craft. And if you're just walking onto a stage and saying, I don't need to craft, then I think you're missing a huge opportunity and you're probably not doing as great a job as you think. Because- Yeah, and, we've, and, and it means you have to read uh, Victoria Wellman's new book, Before You Say Anything, The Untold Stories and Fail-Proof Strategies of a very discreet speechwriter. Victoria, we're gonna take a quick break. And then afterwards, we're going to ask the most important question of all about Ooh. speeches and speech writing, PowerPoint or non-PowerPoint. So we'll be back with Victoria Wellman, the author of Before You Say Anything, in 60 seconds. Don't go away. Don't make any speeches. We'll be back in a minute. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Andrew here again. I'm not sure if you're listening or watching or even reading about this Keenon show. I certainly hope you're enjoying it, but I wanted to remind you that there are many different ways you can use to enjoy my Keenon show. The first, of course, is by, in a very traditional way, subscribing to the audio-only podcast. You can do this um, using Apple or Spotify or CastBox or many of the other traditional uh, podcast distribution platforms. We're on all of them. And if you want to access uh, all the podcasts together, you can go to my LitHub page um, in their podcast section, which is dedicated to all the interviews. Uh, if you're into watching this, as opposed to simply listening, um, if you follow me on Twitter at AJ Keen, you can watch these shows live uh, and you can do the same um, if we're connected uh, on LinkedIn. I'm not on Facebook. I'm not a great fan of Facebook, but LitHub is. And on their LitHub live page, you can watch these shows live as well. Um, in terms of uh, recorded videos, uh, not live, you can see all the shows on the LitHub YouTube page. So whatever your preference, whatever your taste, whether it's video or audio or text, there's no excuse for not watching or listening to my show. Now back to Keenon. We're back with Victoria Wellman, the author of Before You Can Say Anything, really interesting new book about speech writing. She is a Brooklyn-based speech writer. Uh, Victoria, What's the greatest speech you've ever heard? Oh, that's that is one of those questions. Like, what's your what's the best movie you've ever seen? Um, well, I mean, has a favorite movie, don't they? Don't you have a favorite movie too? Uh, no, I have so many favorite movies. I mean, well, I would say uh, my favorite movies. Well, no, uh, speech, George. Speech. Speech. <laughs> Wait, I want to talk about movies. No, speeches. All right. Um, 
I think some of, I mean, some of my favorite speeches are, they're so, that that you know, they're sort of the lesser known, you know, I, I don't look at the sort of obvious, like the, the political realm. I think that's what most people kind of think about speak, the, the great speeches and they're just going to like, you know, Kennedy and MLK and Winston Churchill, yeah. and, you know. Okay, fine, yes, there's some great speeches. Um, I think that there there are so many inc like incredible speakers out there, and I'm talking about people who, you know, have a. I know you you probably won't like this, but they'll have like a moment on on uh, on social media, not making the speech on social media, but it might be a speech that was made in a very small moment um, that you know that that got amplified there. Um, one of the speeches that I really loved. Um, was in the last like few years um was uh emma gonzalez's uh speech from um the rally after marjorie stoneman douglas uh shoot the the, the shooting mm. she did something so brave which was to not speak for four minutes right the the fact that she that is a such a long time <laughs> to not say anything and the way that she kind of subverted, you know, this sort of the, the medium of speech to, to make the point, right? She, the silence of those four minutes to reflect the four minutes where this atrocity occurred was incredibly powerful and very, very brave and very simple. And I'm always like really interested in the idea of, um, of, thinking about speech as not just like, you know, this moment where we connect with words, but what we can do with those words and what we can do messing around a little bit with the structure and the format itself. So, you know, I talk about in the book, I talk about the format of the speech, meaning just like, how can we think about this less as just a sort of three minutes of prose and more that this is three minutes where I need to connect with the audience with an idea and what is the best way to do that, right? So last, I had my book release party and the 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 conceit for my speech was to, just to say thank you to my friends was that there was a page missing from the book when I got home and I realized, um, you know, I had my first copy in my hands and it was so great. And then I realized there was a page missing from the book. And I nearly gave Julia Majin a heart attack. Um, but what I would, you know, what I did was I said, well, this, everyone's gone out and bought, you know, bought this book for $29, of course. Um, but you haven't got the whole book. So let me just read you this missing page. So you feel like you got bang for your buck. And the missing page was my, was the thanks. It was the last page of acknowledgements to my friends. Now that that's just like a small example of how you can think beyond just like, oh, I need to, there's a beginning, a middle and an end. It's actually like using the format itself um, and, and thinking like, how can I, how can I play with that? I think Emma Gonzalez did that to great effect um, with her rally speech. Um, I think, you know, there's, I have a, a speech that, um, one of my favorites was an Abby Wambach. She's a, a US soccer player. She did a commencement speech a few years ago that I loved um, just because it was just, it was so well structured um, and just found such a great balance of bringing the audience with her and then still being able to speak about her experiences. You know, I talk a lot in the book about how much of yourself you need to put in a speech and it always depends on 
who you're speaking to and what the occasion is. And sometimes you need a lot of your own experience and a lot of your, you know, a lot of your perspective. Sometimes the speech is really not about you and it's an inappropriate to talk about yourself too much, right? So, uh, Victoria, the, 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 the speeches you brought up mm. uh, are, have all been by women. You're obviously a woman. Um, mm. Even your, your, your agent, uh, Julia, I know she's uh, a woman. Uh, later this morning, uh, I have um, uh, another female writer, Marianne Seacart, on the show. She has a new book out on the authority gap between men and women. Is it more of a challenge, do you think, for a female to make a speech these days than a man? Do, do men wander in speeches thinking they own the room? Does that perhaps undermine them? Does that give them a natural advantage? Or are there aren't there really generalizations one can make about men and women when it comes to speaking, public speaking? Well, I think I, I think women have, you know, historically obviously been asked to speak less often than men have. So that is still something that we're sort of, you know, resolving and pushing against now. And I think um, so the opportunity when a woman, you know, especially a woman who's, you know, at the top of her field, has the opportunity or someone who's working her way up has the opportunity to speak um the stakes perhaps are higher for her than perhaps a male colleague um one thing that i really enjoy hearing um on the wedding side because obviously i do you know write wedding speeches too so it's not are just you, people come to you and they pay you to make their wedding speech Oh yeah, that, I mean that's really how the origin era. You're not making the speech; you're writing the speech, right. and they make it themselves. Do they yes. acknowledge that it, these speeches have been written by somebody else, or they present it as if they wrote it? Um, well, I mean, I, 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 I think they present it as if they, you know, I, I don't know how many people. Some people, I do get some people coming, you know, clients that come and say, "Well, so and so told me." That you actually wrote their speech and that would be a sort of in confidence afterwards after the fact but i don't think anyone sort of announces at their wedding afterwards that you know that they had help that and is that a bit of, i mean bringing up the s word victoria is a bit of a scam isn't it to give a speech at your own wedding in which some which someone else wrote no i don't think so at all because the the way that i work with people i i'm not making up i'm not making up any you know, material. I'm not fabricating anything. I'm not recycling any material that I've used from someone else's speech. I'm certainly not getting tips and jokes off the internet. I'm only looking at the material that they have shared with me, their thoughts, their ideas, their stories. The thing that I'm helping them with is crafting it into something where they are able to articulate all that, all those wonderful thoughts. Um, in a way that, you know, makes people laugh and makes people cry. And, you know, because, again, it, it, it's craft. And to assume that we that we can all craft, well, why then can't we just all do everything for, for ourselves, right? Why would anyone hire any other expert to do something for them if we could all just do this ourselves? You know, it's there is this there is this taboo around speech, make, you know, having a speechwriter for a personal speech still. And I'm really trying to break that because I'm not doing anything other than saying, I hear you tell me this, this and this. Here is a way that you could order these thoughts and and, 
you know, present them. I think in- the reason that maybe some people are uncomfortable is that there's nothing more intimate than a speech. You stand in front of an audience, words come out of your mouth from from your mouth into the audience. There's no intermediation. It's a very pure, simple process. So the idea that those words that are coming out of your mouth, particularly in a very personal situation like a, a, a wedding, um, were written by somebody else uh, is perhaps for some people at least slightly off-putting or even hypocritical. But I guess if you acknowledge that... Let me ask you this, Andrew. If you heard a really great speech at a wedding, right? Father of the bride, whoever it is. And my original point, by the way, was that more brides are speaking now, which is great. Because that's a long tradition, you know, and I really like that. Um, But if you heard a really great speech at a wedding that made you laugh and everything, and you came away and you go, God, that was brilliant. And then they said, I had help from a speechwriter. Do you suddenly decide that you don't like that speech anymore? Well, you're asking me and the answer, of course, is yes, but I'm a very bad. But you you, you would change your opinion of whether whether that speech moved well, you? I think it depends. <laughs> but I think my sense is it would dramatically because you brought up the A word earlier. It's not my favorite word, uh, authentic. In oh, fact, I always think when people use it by definition, inauthentic, it's the Ariana Huffington word. But uh, speeches are supposed to be authentic. I mean, if there are, if there ever is a situation where, which calls for authenticity. So if, and it's like a book. I mean, if, if you wrote this book, it comes with your, it comes with your name at the bottom before you say anything by Victoria Wellman. If someone else had written the book, you'd have to acknowledge it. It would have been by Victoria Wellman with, I don't know, help from uh, Julia Serebrinsky or something. So Right, but 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 you agree that you know the book, the very first version of the book, I would not have put out into the world. Right? Yeah, that's a fair point. So you have editors, which is of course. Yeah, it's interesting. So, so what about the? Uh, we're going to come to the PowerPoint because that's the most important question of all. But what about the AI question, uh, Victoria? There had been a Amanath on the show earlier this week about. AI finally pro- solving the problem of diversity. Can artificial, can, can you write speeches with AI? I mean, it obviously would make you redundant, but do you use technology? Does that help or is that a hindrance? Um, you know, it's, in, it's an interesting question. I've asked myself that many times. And actually my husband sort of works in, in, in that sort of tech um, area. So he's, he's probably a better person to ask. But what I will say is that, um, I don't, I don't think that that AI could do right now could do what I'm doing. I don't think you can um, leave it to an artificial intelligence versus a human intelligence to connect the dots um, and bring that kind of the, the, the humanity, the nuances to, I just, I, I don't, I don't know enough about like the, you know, about the potential of AI right now 
Um, but I've, tr I've often thought about how can I sort of make my business a little bit more efficient in terms of intake of material and, and, and I always come back to, no, I just, I, it has to be me or another writer who's, you know, obviously I have some writers who work with me. We have to do it. This is a, this is a very, um, a human, um, and very intimate personal, um, endeavor. And I, I don't. I can't see how AI could do it, um, but ask me in you know 30 years, I'm sure I'll have figured it out and I will be redundant. But at that point, I won't mind as much. I mean, it speeches our performances. We did a show um, earlier this month, a wonderful new book out on Leonard Cohen's 1973 concert in the Sinai Desert with the uh, Israeli-Canadian writer, Matty Friedman. A, a speech and a concert is essentially the same thing. These are performances, aren't they? Live performances. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's the thing. I mean, and this goes to the point of what I was saying before. It's like it, any any kind of storytelling or or performance is something that needs to be considered because you're not doing it for yourself. You're doing it for other people. And it, if you get so, you know, you can be completely consumed and wrapped up in like what you want to say and oh I know I can just like get on this stage and you know wing it you are not considering that there are 500 people out there it, it, it's like a disregard right so like you can go and do that in the bathroom mirror but if you are communicating something through music through theater through speech any kind of storytelling medium you need to prepare and you need to edit and work at it and craft and shape. And it's a, it's a piece of art. I mean, it's, you know, that's why not everyone can do it. <laughs> you know? yeah, although you're in the business of teaching people how they can do it before you say anything. Uh, new book by Victoria Wellman, a speech writer. Yeah. Well, and I, and I promise that, you know, at the beginning of the book, like if you think I'm not going to hold your hand all the way and tell you how to do it, because I don't think there is a way of how, I will tell you how I do it. And I will certainly guarantee that if you read the book, that the next time you get up to make a speech, it will be a lot better than if you hadn't. <laughs> that is the guarantee. Well, that is a major promise, Victoria. Um, and the final question, the most important question of all when it comes to speeches PowerPoint or not? Should people use PowerPoints in speaking? I religiously don't use them, although I have to admit that in these interviews now, I'm using them more and more. So maybe they're not quite as bad as they seem. Yeah, I mean, again, it's just it's one of the many variables to consider when you're thinking about, like, what is it that I'm trying to communicate here? And what is the most effective way to do that? There are speeches at conferences that need the audio visual, right? They, they need that to to sort of elevate the point, to clarify a point, but the PowerPoint shouldn't be, um, you know, the worst thing you can do, and I, I know you know this, is to just put up what you're saying on a slide. Yes, PowerPoint, death by PowerPoint. Some, yeah, if you give someone something to look at versus you standing on the stage, they will look at that thing. <laughs> so yeah. that has to be, has to be a complement to the thing that you're saying it should be a, a punchline or a setup or just something that simplifies and keeps people, you know, clear in the moment. If you're giving them a lot to digest, it really depends. I mean, certainly there are, are plenty of speeches that do not need 
PowerPoints. And so, you know, well, I'll just... that's good to hear. And um, <laughs> Victoria has made a bet. Before you say anything, the untold stories and fail-proof strategies of a very discreet speechwriter. It's not a perhaps a very discreet promise, but she says that if you read her book, you will make a better speech. And I think she's right. She presents <laughs> a very coherent argument in the book and I think in person about good speech writing. Congratulations, um, Victoria, uh, on the on your new book, just out. Um, anything else to read uh, in uh, in April 2022, in addition to Before You Say Anything? Um, well, I just finished uh, Malcolm Gladwell's new book, um, Talking to Strangers, which obviously for me, I found just an interesting uh, a great title. So piqued my curiosity because obviously I speak to strangers all day long. So I was curious what, you know, what his angle was. And I always just really enjoy the way Gladwell, you know, sort of zooms in on this one micro moment and then sort of goes as far away from it as possible. Um, and, and in so many different directions and then sort of snaps it back like a sort of, you know, like a magnet with iron filings. It's like, and you, you know, I just, you know, he's, he's clear. I like the, you know, I always think about speeches um, as a balancing act. It's not really about like the, the frilly words and, you know, yes, a turn of phrase is really important here and there. But the poetry is in the ideas. How are you expressing that idea? And you have to do it with such like clarity. Um, that, and I think Gladwell has these incredible ideas, whether or not you sort of believe him in the end is irrelevant. The way he ties it together is so strategic. Um, and, and I, you know, I, I, it was a great read for me. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, so that's and finally, Victoria Wellman, the author of Before You Say Anything, on uh, April 13th, 2022. Who's in charge, Victoria Wellman? Who, who runs the world these days? For better or worse, probably the speechwriters. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I don't know who's, who's running the world, but they're doing a terrible job, so they need to be fired. If you find out, let me know. <laughs> um, Excellent. Well,